Strategic Healthcare Partners, founded by principals John Crew and Mike Scribner, operates from offices in Savannah and Atlanta. Our diverse team prioritizes clients, ensuring we fully understand their needs. As your business partner, we are an extension of your professional identity. SHP tailors services to your individual needs, offering flexible pricing structures. From IPA management to financial analysis, we're here to empower your organization. Visit shpllc.com for details. Today, we are joined by Matt DeFore and Randall Humphreys, cybersecurity experts from Sumitsu, a Savannah, Georgia-based IT solutions company. As our reliance on technology and healthcare grows, so does the threat of cyber criminals. In this podcast, we sit down with Matt and Randall, where they discuss some of the biggest digital threats facing healthcare organizations today, and what simple steps can be taken to solidify your company's defenses. Join us for this week's Beyond the Stethoscope, our conversation with SHP, as we dive into the world of cyber warfare. Today, we're sitting down with Matt DeFore and Randall Humphreys from Sumitsu, a Savannah-based provider of fiber internet, end-to-end IT support, and cybersecurity solutions. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks, sir. Today, we're going to be discussing the ever-present growing uh, cyber threats that are facing healthcare organizations. So we're bringing in some experts. Uh, Full disclosure, Sumitsu does provide our company, Strategic Healthcare Partners, with our IT support as well. So we have a really good business relationship with them, been very impressed with the service they've provided for us. So we wanted to bring them in to discuss uh, a little bit about themselves, but of course, these growing cyber threats. So before we get into the meat and the potatoes of this, gentlemen, I guess, introduce yourselves and briefly discuss uh, how you got into IT. So Matt, we'll start with you. Yeah, absolutely. My name's Matt D4. I've been at uh, Sumitsu for going on five years now. I've been in the IT industry for 22 years now uh, with a focus on network administration, network engineering, and more recently in the last several years with a focus on uh, healthcare IT, dealing with you know large clinics and, and small hospitals. Here at Sumitsu, like, like you had mentioned, we're a full-service IT company. We're an internet service provider here in downtown uh, Savannah. And most recently, we've opened up our cybersecurity division with a strong focus on cybersecurity remediation and education and all the things that go along with that. Randall? Yeah, hi, I'm Randall Humphreys. I'm a director of operations here at Smitsu. Um, I've been here going on four years. I've been in IT for about 21 years almost. Um, and uh, the longer, more, more times I say that out loud, the older I feel. I feel my bones creaking. But anyway, um, I've been in uh, app development, server admin, network admin, cybersecurity, pretty much off and on that whole time. And I've been in and out of healthcare IT for about mm, 12-ish years or so. Um, so um, obviously, I, I, I mirror Matt in his efforts to provide those services and support those customers. Great. So you bring a combined uh, almost 40 years of of knowledge and experience to the table, which I think is is really important for helping our audience understand uh, everything that that goes into this knowledge base. It's it's not coming from uh, absolutely nowhere. 
So let, let's talk about the cyber threats. Obviously, Simensu started up a new cyber uh, threat division, but specifically, let, let's talk about those cyber threats that are facing healthcare. I think almost, it feels like almost a day go, that doesn't go by without us seeing a headline or, or hearing about a new cyber attack on a healthcare system. Help, help us cut through those headlines. What are they talking about and what are these threats? The biggest threat, uh, really, end to end, and the one you hear about the most, you'll hear this phrase all the time, ransomware, or sometimes you'll you'll hear professionals talk about it as um, you know as crypto threats or crypto viruses. But that's the big thing, and the vast majority of it is is really born via email. Uh, you know, all the you know all of you and your listeners, I'm sure, all get these random emails asking them to do things or asking them to click on a link and uh you know download this or provide some credentials to that and that's the name of the game and uh that's really the biggest threat and you know the a lot of these things and most recently um we're seeing it in education that kind of spread out in education spill over from healthcare into, into education too is you're seeing these places held hostage essentially uh, hence the name ransomware and you know to, to add to that the email the the phishing emails and the spam emails over the last uh, couple of years, what we've seen is a shift and they haven't gotten more complicated. They've actually gotten a lot simpler. So what we'll, what you'll end up seeing now is, is set of some elaborate form for a user to click on that's made to look like a legitimate site. Yeah. You'll see a business owner get a couple of sentences saying, hey, please update my direct deposit or hey, please, yeah. please go check this thing out. So those things, those things we are finding and they're coming from legitimate email accounts that so we're finding it's more and more difficult to detect and more and more difficult to block. So one of our big focus, one of our biggest focuses on cybersecurity is the education, is the educational piece and that secondary validation on business owners and business leaders to not take action based yeah. on any email requests or anything like that. Guys, this is Jason. Uh, explain to the users like, like myself, kind of layman's terms, you know, you mentioned ransomware. We've heard, you know, being held hostage in that situation. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in a healthcare setting and one of those emails comes across, which they become very slick in how they're disguised. When you say we're held hostage, what's that mean for someone like myself that's sitting in a hospital or physician practice? Yeah, when you yeah say, sure. What's so, that mean exactly? Well, yeah, what what typically happens is when you click when you click an email link, it it takes you to some website that's designed to download a, a small a small program on your computer. And once once that happens, that program will reach out to call home, quote unquote, and it will download a an encryption payload. So it will basically encrypt all the files, all the files that it has access to. That includes yeah. your computer and any server that you're connected to. Mm -hmm. It will encrypt those files, make making them unreadable to anyone using them. And it will ask you for a certain ransom. It's literally a quantity of money. So, you know, we're all familiar with the the pretty famous one in Savannah that happened in St. Joe a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. It, you know, it could be in it could be in the thousands of dollars or millions of dollars, depending on the organization. Yeah. So you ideally, you know, you pay the ransom and they give you a key to unlock your encrypted files. Doesn't always work because they're not they're not obligated to give you a key to unlock anything because they already have your money. Yeah. 
the irony of that is the only obligation they have is their own integrity, which I know is a funny word to use in this context, but obviously these ransomware groups uh, don't, you know, they can only do their, they can only perform this trick, air quotes, <laughs> as long as people believe that they'll hold up their end of the bargain, but there's no guarantee. And, and it's not just about, and it's not just about holding your files for ransom, because at the same time, a lot of times they're, they're siphoning this data out to be resold. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if they uh, any kind of personal information that they can get, that they can gather, that they're collecting it, they're they're selling it out, they're yeah. selling it out. You know, you can buy credit card numbers for ten dollars on the internet. And you're and you know and for the average user or or patient of a health organization, you know, Jason, what you what you find is a literal stoppage of work. You can't you, the computer systems are frozen. They're done. That you can't access that. You can't access immunization records. You can't access. Uh, you know, patient, uh, you know, statements to to bill anything, either to insurance companies or process, process refunds or copays or anything. Can't schedule appointments, can't read X-rays, and so it's. Uh, I'm sorry to say that you know, for large organizations, particularly those doing any kind of acute care, that can be quite, that can be pretty life threatening. Yeah, honestly. and it's and it's a loss of, you know, it could be a loss of millions or tens of millions of dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's pretty serious, obviously. Well, and, and to add to that, too, and what it seems to be adding insult to injury that sometimes happens is the OCR will step in and potentially find some of these hospitals and healthcare practices. We've seen it where they were victimized. They they were ransomware. They paid millions of dollars to decrypt their files only to turn around and be penalized for HIPAA violations because an encryption of a network is a HIPAA violation. Um, I, I don't know if you've experienced that end of things, but that, that's certainly a consideration too. You'll you'll get taken coming and going uh, by the bad guys and by the good guys. Uh, yeah, so. that's kind of the yeah, that's a good point because what you find is. Um, Obviously, well, you, you find that, that that that's technically a disclosure against HIPAA. Well, it's a data breach. Yeah. Right? It, and it, so, it's data loss, and obviously that has to be reported and handled appropriately. You have to notify every potential customer that, that yep. stores data in your in your system. You have to notify your vendors with and, whom you have direct connection. And offer, you know, these credit monitoring services and all these things that could end up costing you more money. It's run. it's so hard not to be not to sound fear mongering. I swear that's not. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I swear that's not the goal. We don't, but it, but we do. Uh, but it raises the anxiety pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> but we do we do take it pretty seriously. Yeah. Well, so so let's let's talk about that. Obviously, we should be fearful of it, but we need to do things to mitigate what that risk is. Talk about how can organizations protect themselves? Do they do they potentially pour millions of dollars into sophisticated cyber protection systems with, you know. Slick ad campaigns. What what's yeah, a step, practice or a hospital to do? Step one has to be education. Yeah, but bar none. Because you got to stop there. Because your employees are always the weakest link in, in, in those kind of uh, in those kind of attacks. Yeah, but they're also your greatest asset because they're the ones on the ground. You know, they see it before anybody else sees it, and chances are they're the ones that are going to get targeted, right? They're not going to try to compromise a firewall or those things you see on TV or movies. They're going to send a, a random email to Marion Accounting or Bob. Who's you know the charge nurse on what on Met and Met surge you know that's who's going to get that. So those people being empowered and knowing what's going on and knowing what to do about it is key. So yeah, step one is is definitely creating a, an organization, creating a culture around education, around informing people what's going on, what to look out for. Um, obviously, you, you want the technical controls 
are, are definitely step two. You want to make sure those things are are in place. With your antiviruses and your um, advanced, I call them advanced antiviruses, but it's uh, XDR, which is antivirus on steroids. And all, all your firewalls and your, you know, and all the and all the uh, policies that go with it, especially around, you know, the principle of least privilege. If people don't have access to things they don't need access to, then they can't corrupt things that, by their own mistake, right? It, yeah, that, that's kind of the way I approach it is education has to be first and then your technical controls are second. Uh, it, it's to back up the users. Yeah. To validate both your education and your technical controls, you've got to assess it, you know, by you know, engage some third party. Even if you have in-house IT, um, it's not competitive. <laughs> it's collaborative. You know, some people I've been in-house IT. I know how that feels. And uh, it can feel it can feel a little you can get a little self get a little defensive. I'll, I'll admit it, but it's not that way. It's really to validate their good work. It's to validate everything you're doing and to show you the opportunities you can where you can improve. So after you've got all those things kind of in place, and it's it's a never-ending process. It's iterative. You know, it'll get better a little at a time, but doing it and committing to the process of that is is key. Is 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 really the whole plan. I mean, you can be sold a lot of you know fancy fancy pants stuff but at the end of the day that's really the the process you know educate put in what you can technically close what loopholes you can technically and then be sure you assess that periodically on a good routine and and take the you know do what you can with that to implement the good advice you find so on the training or education front uh whether you're you know practice or hospital obviously obviously there's different departments some are patient facing some are taking calls from patients some neither right kind of more back-end office transactional sure. type of employees so I, I would imagine the training maybe is, is different or what what would you highlight as sort of what would the training plan look like would it would it differ on skill department no what I don't look, that look like i don't think so i i, I think um I, I think across the organization the training around especially around cybersecurity is is kind of broad enough to apply everywhere you know we I don't know that you really want to differentiate between, let's say, especially in a hospital, like someone on med surge or someone on dietary, because they're going to get the same emails. They're going to get the, and they're going to, they're going to log into, you know, some of the similar systems. So having a broad knowledge on what to look out for benefits everyone. I, I, I don't think I would limit it down to, or, or tailor it per department. I, I think, uh, I think a broad knowledge across the organization it is fine and you find um and I, and I find one of the one of the bigger things to do is to build the confidence of those users of that staff of those users right if, if it's something doesn't feel right or smell right it's worth it's worth picking up the phone or dropping an email to somebody else it's worth saying hey this doesn't you know i never get this email i never get this phone call especially if they're patient facing because that's probably the only thing i would add or maybe yeah. add to that matt was People who are patient facing, especially if they deal with people over the phone, it does happen where they'll get little scam calls trying to get them to go to a website, which is that's kind of picked up oddly in the last couple of years. Uh, someone will call up, pretend to be IT or pretend to be something else and try to get them to allow some kind of remote access. It's rare, but it happens and definitely happens more than it used to be urban legend. But now we actually have see it. Uh, in our in the day to day a little more, and so that's kind of a thing where it just pays to be a little suspicious, and that may be a thing that you would highlight more people who would get maybe who are on the phones all the time, but then again, well, it, yeah, you're almost creating a, a a business full of cynics. 
or a culture full of cynics. A little bit, yeah. Full of you don't want to do that. I don't believe anything anybody tells me at, ever. At, at all, <laughs> unless yeah, no, and you don't want to do that. But you do want to say, you know, if 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 someone calls up and asks for something unusual or just strikes you as odd, you should. It's probably worth yeah verifying, validating. validating. Like you said, it's like you said earlier. So that's probably the only thing I'd add on to that is there is a when you're public facing, there's more opportunity for that. Although I guess dietary phones works too. Yeah. But still. Okay. No, that's that that's excellent advice. I'll kind of have my two pennies. No, no one is above training, right? Everyone from the janitor to the doctor to the CEO. And if you want to if you want to create a culture of training and education, you know, make a competition out of it, right? There's, there are plenty of platforms, including ours, the one that we offer that assesses training on a point system. It tells yeah. you how well you did on your training. So, you know, if an organization wanted to create a culture that that prioritized that kind of thing. Turn into a competition is what we've seen some companies do. Yeah, incentivize it. You know, yeah. Amazon gift cards for the for the team or the, the person. Oh, that's great. That's great. Okay, I know we're we're kind of uh, coming up on time here, so let let's kind of wrap this up for for the practice administrator, or hospital administrator who's who's listening to us right now. From from your point of view, if if you had to tell them one thing that they need to be focused on with their cybersecurity plan. You, you mentioned three things. Of of those three things, what should they be focused on if, if they if they're starting from scratch? Where should they begin? If they're starting from scratch, I would start with a simple assessment. You can't fix anything or implement anything until you know where you are. Just that simple, and then measure it. Right? Any every every practice admin knows about their KPIs, and they can probably tell you what their days in AR are and things like that, and their standard reimbursements. This should be a thing that they should have on the top of their head. They should know where they are from a security standpoint, you know, at least at some vague, at least at some high level, right? Yeah. So start. I start. I think you got to start by assessing it personally. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be unique to to each individual practice, but again, I, I you know I sound like a broken record, but obviously education is the best place to start. It is getting the staff on board, getting getting everyone on the same page about about the, the the very real security threats that are out there and, and what it means to the organization. I think educating those employees on, on those kind of things should happen first. Yeah. And if I can offer not really, I guess, advice, but just kind of a, a word of encouragement to, to people in healthcare and I guess anybody really, try to avoid the cynicism. I, you run into people who now just throw up their hands, go, oh, it's inevitable, everyone gets hacked, da, da, da. No, 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 don't do that. That's not helpful. That's, you know. That's too negative. You know, it, it, help is out there. It can be it can be dealt with, you know, if you if you make it a priority, that's all. Like everything. It's a risk to be mitigated, like every other risk you have. Now, as a as a follow up to that, how often knowing that health technology is always advancing, mm-hmm. you know, folks that are out there trying to, you know, hold us hostage, as we talked about earlier, it's you know, you're always trying to catch up to them versus staying proactive. How often would you say you should assess your IT needs as a practice administrator, and how often should you do that training education with staff? Is that kind of a, when you do your taxes, do an IT plan? Is it an annual thing, or what would you guys recommend? So me personally, um, I go back to the culture thing. Education should be an ongoing process. Yeah. There should be benchmarks, even monthly in my mind, on mm. on educational content that the employee should complete. As far as assessing the, the environment as it stands twice a year is probably fine. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we get into a good cadence with a lot of our clients where it's really a spring fall kind of 
cadence with them, you know, somewhere around second quarter and, and kind of into third quarter area. So we have kind of a, a but I mean, everyone's a little different, but that twice a year. If and and the heads up on that, if you are uh, if you are subject to HIPAA, uh, you have to do an SRA every year anyway. So one of these is one of those, right? <laughs> that's right. That that's right. And and that's actually an important point to to point out there was the security risk analysis. If you are a a HIPAA uh, entity, HIPAA covered entity, you have to do an SRA every year by law. Uh, and if you participate yeah. in any of the uh, the QPP programs, you also have to do an SRA by law. So you pretty much should be doing an SRA annually anyway, and that's an excellent time to take stock on what you have, what your needs as an organization are, involve everybody from uh, within the ranks of the company. Okay, so let's let's uh, put a bow on this. And uh, gentlemen, any any final thoughts? Uh, maybe uh, let us know where. Folks can reach out to you if they're interested in finding out more about Sumitsu or anything you really want to make sure that they're aware of before we go. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we love talking about this stuff. Uh, Matt uh, Matt and I can talk about this all day, uh, any, anything in and around it. Um, you can reach, uh, you know, Sumitsu can be found at www.sumitsu.com. Um, please feel free to reach out if you enjoy the conversation. And, you know, we do, we do assessments. A lot of times we'll do assessments for for free just to kind of have an initial conversation about uh, about it so um again help us out there guys those are reassuring words and we'll <laughs> certainly be putting links into the show notes uh for all of you who are not sh- quite sure how to spell sumitsu uh, so check out the the show notes we'll have it there um jason anything else no appreciate it from a lay person perspective i thought you guys laid out pretty well so i appreciate you guys uh bringing it down to my level <laughs> absolutely yeah well, thank you for joining us today, gentlemen, Matt, Randall. I'm sure we'll be talking again here soon. Uh, so you have a wonderful day, and thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all so much. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to Beyond the Stethoscope, Vital Conversations with SHP, a production of Strategic Healthcare Partners. For more information about our podcast, including back episodes, show notes, transcripts, and more, visit our website at shpllc.com podcasts. And I know you've heard it before, but please consider rating our podcast in your favorite podcast app. It helps make others aware of the show. And our podcast wouldn't be possible without our wonderful team of folks. Editing and production assistance by Nyla Weave and myself, Aaron Higgins. And your episode hosts are Aaron Higgins and myself, Jason Crosby. Our social media coordinator is Jeremy Miller. Our executive producers are also our principals, Mike Scribner and John Crew. For more from SHP, consider following us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. As always, thank you for listening and have a great, wonderful day. Analytics. Lacking the tandem of actionable reporting with expert analysis? Not confident in the knowledge of your reporting system? SHP's expert analysts transform data from your EMR system into actionable insights. Understand your facility's performance, control outcomes, and enhance patient experience. As payment models shift to value-based care, our guidance can improve your bottom line. Visit shpllc.com for details. 